Hey everyone, let's ramble for a little bit. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is a children's rhyme that I'm guessing all of us have heard. What that rhyme means is words are just words. They can't hurt you. So if someone says something mean to you, just brush it off. Now, let's compare that with what the Apostle James says about words. This is from James chapter 3. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures, creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So, according to the Apostle James, the tongue is extremely destructive. And the Apostle James is using the word tongue here as a stand-in for words or speech. So he's saying that your own words can set the whole course of your life on fire. He compares words to poison. He compares words to, to a spark that sets a whole forest on fire. Well, if our words and speech are so destructive, we should probably follow God's directive about the tongue, about our words, found in the Eighth Commandment. Today we're covering the Eighth Commandment in our episode, which says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Theological Ramblings. I'm your host, Pastor Phil Janish, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Pastor Ross Henze. Hello, everybody. And Pastor Tom Fricke. Hi. So, today we are talking about the Eighth Commandment, which says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. And I believe we have mentioned it before, but as a reminder, audience, when God gives us a commandment, he's protecting something. For example, when God gives us the first and second commandment, he's protecting the glory and honor that is due him alone. With the fifth commandment, God is protecting his gift of life. With the sixth commandment, God is protecting his gift of marriage and sex, etc., so, Ross, what would we say God is protecting with the Eighth Commandment? I think we would say that God is protecting a person's name and reputation. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ross and Tom, the Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 22. 
A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. So why is a good name or a good reputation so valuable? Tom, we'll let you respond. Well, a good name is, is valuable because it's who you are. I mean, uh, it's how people perceive us. Uh, it affects our relationships with them, how they treat us. And uh, we, we all want, but we especially need to have respect from other people. So your good name is just who you are. Wow. Ross, anything you'd like to add? I think I might add that uh, a reputation at times may take a lifetime to build. You, 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 uh, this is who I am, this is who I stand for, and you work hard and you, and you work to develop your reputation. And when someone breaks the Eighth Commandment, your reputation could be shattered that you worked so very hard to build, it could be shattered in just a minute. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, someone has worked so very hard and then we come in and we break that commandment. Look at what we've done to their reputation that they've worked so hard to build. Yeah. So now that we have established that a good name is a gift from God and something we should work very hard for, something that we should cherish, let's talk about the ways that we harm someone's name and break this commandment. And the most obvious one that I think comes to mind is lying. Could you two inform the audience about the Bible's stance on telling lies? Ross, we'll let you go first. I think we might say that there's a fundamental human contract that says that when someone asks you a question, you're going to tell the truth. And uh, when you lie, you are breaking, you're not telling the truth, and so you're, you're then, you're breaking trust. And that's really what's taking place. The scripture uh, repeatedly speaks about that we need to speak, uh, that we need to tell the truth, and that it aligns uh, lying together with Satan, who is, the Bible calls, the devil is the father of lies. And so it's, it makes that connection that that's just how harshly God views it. And he punishes uh, and is very, makes it very clear he's upset about it when we do lie. Tom, anything you'd like to add? Sure. It, if you take a look at the times when uh, scripture talks about lying. I mean, James talks about what a what a uh, huge uh, uh, forest can be destroyed by a little spark. Uh, you look through the Psalms, and David prays repeatedly that the Lord protect him from lying tongues. Uh, you realize that uh, th there's something nefarious about just not speaking the truth. And a lot of times, when when we do lie, when we exaggerate, when we speak negatively about other people if you analyze it we do that because we're trying to make ourselves look better we're trying to make ourselves feel better or we're trying to gain something there uh, god calls us to speak the truth jesus says i am the way the truth and the life and uh, it, it it's important for us to do that why is devil the devil referred to as the father of lies a lot of what he does as he tempts us to to fall into sin uh, he makes what is bad look good, makes what is good look bad. Uh, so ultimately what it comes down to is that uh, uh, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, who is the truth himself, 
uh, we need to live by the truth, we need to speak the truth, and it's important for us to do that and to recognize our motives for doing something otherwise. Yeah. So to sum all that up, the Bible takes lying very seriously and condemns it harshly. So here's a follow-up question. I often ask this of my catechism students and my Bible information class students. Here's a statement. You can tell a lie by telling a half-truth, and you can tell a lie by telling a truth and a half. Explain that state statement to me. Tom will let you have a stab at it first. Okay, yeah, you can lie by telling a half-truth. Uh, you, you, you leave out a significant part of the story. You leave something out that's really important, and uh, you're not telling the whole thing. Satan, uh, in the Garden of Eden, said, you're going to be like God, knowing good and evil. What Satan leaves out uh, is, yeah, and that's not going to be a good thing for you in the end, right? It's going to destroy you. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can leave out uh, a significant element of the truth, not say anything that's false, but you're telling a half-truth, and that's just plain wrong. Do the drugs. It's going to feel really good, right? Uh, it, it makes what's bad seem to be something that's good. Or you can, you can lie by telling a truth and a half. I suppose uh, we can embellish the truth to make ourselves look better. The fish was this, this big. And uh, you're, you're telling uh, a truth and a half. Uh, I've not heard that statement before, that uh -huh. saying before, but uh, I, that may be what that's getting at. Yeah, yeah. We can exaggerate to the point where we could say, it. you know, we're lying. You know, uh, let's say somebody was being kind of grumpy, and then I go around telling everybody, yeah, you know, this person was hopping mad today. Well, yeah, they were a little grumpy, but the way I embellished it, you know, makes it not true. All right, so one more thing about lying. Here's a story. The grandfather of one of my seminary professors was studying in Germany shortly before World War II broke out. Now, this man was sitting in a park after class reading, and he sees two Jewish men run past him. A little bit later, two intimidating men run up to him and ask him if he saw two Jewish men run by. The professor's grandfather promptly said, nope, he hadn't seen two Jews run by. Could you two respond to this story? Did this man sin by lying? Because he did indeed tell a lie. Ross will give you first chance. Well, that's a very, very interesting question. I think it, it almost really is a question of ethics. Is lying ever justified to save someone from harm? Uh, we could probably spend a lot of time talking about this. Uh, did the man actually tell a lie? I guess I, I would say yes, he did tell a lie. Now, the question, though, that I would probably try to wrap my head around is, do we really then, did that individual have an obligation to actually tell the truth at that moment? Was it a, someone who identified himself as a police officer or uh, someone like that, a position in authority where Romans 13 says we must obey government? You know, did that person identify himself in such a way? Uh, then I would think, you know, you, you, you should tell the truth and then leave the rest in God's hands. However, you're really, you're wrestling with that, you know, my moral obligation 
if I'm convinced that someone is going to be hurt by this, I still have to now try to figure out, do I actually, do I actually have a moral obligation to tell this person the truth? Yeah. Tom, this would be what we, we sometimes would call a case of casuistry where there are two equally valid, equally clear principles of Scripture that appear to be in contradiction to one another. So the principle would be, you shall not murder, you shall not kill, uh, but also tell the truth, don't speak any lies. Uh, those two principles appear to be in contradiction with one another. And uh, it's, it's a little bit difficult to know in every case like that exactly what it is that a person needs to be doing. Is the truth here going to lead to murder? I'm not sure that we know that just from the bare facts of the story that we've been given. Uh, the circumstances might lead a person to conclude, yeah, there's a greater evil that we're going to be avoiding here by simply leading these people who are pursuing these men in a different direction. So, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to know in every case exactly how to apply that. This would be a, a genuine case of casuistry. Which of the, the lesser of two evils are you going to choose at that moment? Explain, explain casuistry. Well, a casuistry is, as I said, uh, where you have two equally valid principles of Scripture that appear to be in contradiction to each other in that same situation. So you, you, you need to be able to take a look at the bigger picture in order to be able to make a determination as to how you're going to behave, how you're going to act at that time. Yeah, and audience, because we live in a sinful world, these things pop up. We have to acknowledge the problem is not with God's word and with God's principles. God's word is true and clear and perfect. The problem is, is that we live in a sinful world. And because of that, sometimes we're forced into these situations where we're really struggling and uh, in turmoil because we want to do our best to honor God's word and we're put in this situation where it's a, it's a gray area and a struggle to decide how do I best honor all of God's principles at this time. And there's many, many of these different issues with all the commandments that we could talk about. But uh, yeah, thank you guys. I think you gave a good answer. Did we owe this person the truth? We have to take into consideration God's will to protect life with the fifth commandment. So it's a hard issue. Anything else on this question before we move on, guys? They're both shaking their heads no. Okay, so lying is obviously a way we break this commandment. However, we can break the Eighth Commandment even if we tell the truth. Tom, could you explain to the audience how we can break this commandment even if we are telling the truth? Yeah, we can do that by, by sharing the truth in a way that we, we know it's going to harm or damage somebody else's reputation. Does it have the intent to hurt? Uh, when we use our tongue to hurt or cause pain to others, uh, even if it is sharing the truth, then... Uh, that's something that we, we should not be doing, or we can be sharing sensitive or confidential information that uh, needs to be kept uh, needs to be kept quiet. Yeah, if somebody tells you something about themselves that is maybe embarrassing or something, it may be the truth, 
But if they told that to you in confidence, well, you're not supposed to go spreading that around. We call that gossip. All right, we probably have all heard the phrase, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's the classic saying from the rabbit in Bambi. You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And silence sometimes is the best option. If you're angry with someone and are going to speak badly about them, it's probably best to try and just keep quiet. However, sometimes we can break this commandment even by remaining silent. Ross, could you describe to the audience how that might happen? I'll, I'll attempt. Uh, I am married and I have five daughters. And there have been instances where we're at, I'm standing there holding purses while someone is trying on an outfit. And then, okay, how does this look? Well, if I gave it my exact answer, it might not go over so well. So, uh, how does this dress look on me, or how does this outfit look on me? And if you don't say anything, you're in hot water. If you say what's on your mind, you're in hot water. Uh, but you also have to, to answer the question, you know, your facial expressions and your body language also says a lot about you. Uh, Maybe you're uh, dismissing something or you're confrontational about something. And, you know, when you get to these kind of instances, you, you need to be able to speak the truth and love in the kindest possible way. And maybe, you know, what about this outfit? Well, let's keep looking. You know, let's keep looking and see what else they have. It might be a better answer than to say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you're wearing that. That kind of answer. So... I think all of those things all kind of, maybe I ruled uh, that answer in with the one above, but that's kind of how I would do it. Yeah. Another example where keeping silent would not be the best option is if somebody is being maligned, if somebody is being spoken badly about in front of you, um, it is your duty to sometimes speak up and say, now, hey, hang on a minute, let's not speak badly about this person. Um, that might be an example where keeping silent could be a sin of omission, where we really should have said something, but we neglected too. All right. So now that we have a better sense of this commandment, let's consider this. In America, we have the freedom of speech. So we kind of think we can say whatever we want. Now, the freedom of speech is a blessing. I mean, it allows us to do exactly what we're doing right now, publishing our words and ideas publicly in this podcast. However, how does this commandment, the Eighth Commandment, you shall not, um, uh, you should not give false testimony against your neighbor, how does this commandment moderate our use of our freedom of speech? Tom? It's good to remember in connection with this commandment, but with, uh, in connection with all the commandments, that what is legal is not necessarily what is right in God's eyes. In so many cases, God is far stricter than the government, and uh, we're governed as Christians by what it is that God permits us to do. I can't use my freedom to speak to damage somebody else's reputation. I can speak my mind. 
I can disagree with an individual's policies. I can speak the truth in such a way that uh, uh, I'm, I'm expressing my, my views on a political issue or something else. But there comes a point when what I'm saying, if it's simply intended to damage somebody else's personal uh, personal reputation, if I'm if I'm intending to harm them and their reputation in some kind of way, uh, then it's uh, it's crossing the line. I can do this. I suppose we see this happen a lot in the political ads that are legal here in this country today, but perhaps not right in in the eyes of the Lord according to the Eighth Commandment. Uh, or there are things that are said on late night TV. You you take a look at the comments in the comment section and, and the internet, uh, different articles and, and the types of comments that people uh, leave that are, that are very unkind toward uh, the people that they disagree with. Uh, or Facebook comments, uh, you've got cyberbullying going on. All of these things are areas where perhaps that speech is protected uh, by the freedom of speech laws that we have in our country, but it just isn't right. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Excellent response. Ross, was there anything you'd like to add? I think the part that I would, it's still kind of a a lot what Tom was saying. I, I think the part that I'm getting at is where you're actually wishing evil upon someone. now let's talk about we we could talk about what's going on in our world right now. We have we've had rioting around our country uh, around Black Lives Matters and you know and we have this this great conversation that needs to take place. This great conversation that is going on. However, in the process of doing that, you have maybe I you know kill all police officers you know because there's they're brutal we we you know kill all the police officers or uh, kill this person or I hate this person that's hate speech that that's wishing evil upon someone now do I have the right to to peacefully come forward and say look this is wrong I disagree with this you need to understand that I hope that you hear me absolutely but then to turn and threaten someone uh, I don't care on what side of the fence you're on. That is breaking the Eighth Commandment and you're wishing evil on someone. Yeah, yeah. In these times, as you said, Ross, I think we have to be very careful. You know, in America, because of the freedom of speech, excuse me, everybody, my computer music was playing for the podcast. Um, In America, because we have the freedom of speech, I can go and proclaim racist things. I can do that. Um, But that God, my my God commands me to a higher morality. Or I can go and speak hateful things about the police. In America, I have the right to do that. However, our God calls us to a higher morality. Yeah. Okay, now let's talk about the positive side of this commandment. In his explanation to the Eighth Commandment, Luther says we should defend our neighbor, speak well of him, and take his words and actions in the kindest possible way. So let's unpack those words a little bit and give the audience some guidance on positive ways they can obey this commandment. Ross, we'll let you go first. 
I think it's so very easy for us as sinful human beings to belittle someone uh, the way they look, they walk, they talk, they act, and then we start talking about it, or did you hear about this, and we're gossiping. And, you know, this is really in this commandment where we need to stand up and defend someone. And we need, you know, we need to recognize we're not perfect, you know, and we need to point out, we need to point that out. Maybe that person that we've been talking about that we just said uh, something horrible, maybe, you know, did you hear about what they, maybe they were just having a bad day. And maybe instead of looking for the worst thing possible, why not put the best construction on it? Uh, maybe there's something behind why they did what they did. So you, you're looking to point out something good, uh, and then before we start casting stones, let's just stop for a second and think, you know what, I'm not so perfect either. Yeah. Tom, anything to add? Yeah, it's vitally important just to make sure you don't jump to a conclusion and assume the worst. A lot of trouble can be avoided uh, by re remembering uh, our own feelings and weaknesses, uh, you can't assume without proof that somebody has done something wrong. It's gotten uh, our nation into trouble just recently, uh, but it also gets ourselves into trouble on a smaller scale uh, when we just assume the worst about other people. It's really important for us to keep that principle in mind, as, and Luther explains it well, defend them, speak well of them, and take their words and actions in the kindest possible way. Put the best construction on things. And uh, again, a lot of trouble can be avoided if we simply learn to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing both of you mentioned is be very careful when judging motives. You know, you don't know what this person is going through or what their thought process is. Um, so, and you know, you can't tell the future, you can't see everything in the past, and you can't see a person's heart. So um, be ca very careful when you're judging motives. So, Russ. I think another way to look at this, when we look at the positive side of this commandment, I think we also have to look to the other side. Sometimes people say things that are just downright indefensible. Uh, and to give you an example, you know, it's easy to pick on the government, but they're something that I think we can all relate to. Uh, whether you are on one side or the other side, it just seems that each one, one person will say something or one group will say one thing, the conservatives will say something, the liberals will say something, and then they're at constant war. And you just want to cringe when somebody says what it is that they said. There's no way you can defend that. And that's where you just really go to God in prayer and hope and pray that we can get past that and begin to once again wish that people could actually work together instead of lobbing these bombs on each other. Tom, please. I think, I think in that regard, St. Paul gives us some really good guidance. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think if we practice really good listening, that's going to help us in this regard, uh, that we, we avoid saying the kinds of things that we just shouldn't be saying in our public discourse, but also in our private relationships, too. We need to be able to understand others, listen to what they're really saying, and then deal with the issues rather than attack the person, treat them with respect. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So as we know, Jesus was our perfect substitute. 
He kept God's commandments perfectly in our place for us. So Ross and Tom, could you give some examples to the audience of how Jesus perfectly kept this commandment? Jesus, uh, Jesus was the truth. He spoke the truth, and he, he did it in, in love. If you take a look at the times when he confronted people in their sin, whether it was his enemies, the Pharisees, or other people who were engaged in sinful behavior like the, the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, he does this in love. To Peter, he says, Peter, you know, I, I love you, but you're, you're wrong when you say that you're never going to, uh, you're never going to fall away from me. You know, tonight uh, you're going to act as if you never knew me three times, Jesus tells him. And he does this in love with Judas uh, when everybody else is, is saying, Lord, is it I? Am I going to be the one who is going to betray you? Judas jumps right in. It's a lie. And Jesus says, yes, it is you. And he says this in a way that Judas has the opportunity to repent. He speaks the truth. It's difficult truth for both Peter and Judas. Uh, but he does this in love for, for, for each one of them. And I'll just add this too. He does it for us as well. Uh, he, he, through his word, exposes our sinfulness too, in all its rawness. And then he turns around and he, he, he speaks to the Father in our defense. Uh, Jesus knows that we're sinful human beings to the core. And he says, but look, I've taken their sins upon myself. Heavenly Father, do not hold this against them. Yeah, that's really great. Thanks for bringing that point up. Jesus uh, speaking to the Father in our defense, using his words for our benefit. Ross. Um. I, the one that I thought about, two examples came to mind right away other than the ones that Tom mentioned. And I keep thinking of Jesus on the cross as people were just saying just insulting and terrible things to him. And his prayer was, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing. So uh, instead of, you know, I mean, how in the world can you put a better construction on that than how Jesus did it? I mean, that's absolutely mind-boggling that he would love us that much to be able to approach his father in that way for us and then the other one that I it just kind of came to mind was the story of Zacchaeus Zacchaeus the tax collector who was this short uh, man of short stature and you know did he did he make fun of him because he was short did he make fun of him because he was a tax collector and I'm sure this guy probably had a lot of people mad at him and speaking about him in in bad ways because tax collectors in those days were not uh, people didn't have a whole lot of warm fuzzy feelings for them for obvious reasons but here Jesus made the time and sought this man out and uh, Zacchaeus, as the story went on, Zacchaeus shows an amazing faith. So the fact that our Lord would, would seek out people who maybe don't uh, fit that, that perfect uh, idea of what we all think we should be, and yet, my, as Tom said, my goodness, didn't he do that for you? Didn't he do that for me? Yeah. It's an amazing thing. One of my favorite stories is the, is the woman caught in adultery. You know, the people drag this woman to her and they're just using her to try and trap Jesus in his words, seeing what he's going to do with this. And I always wonder what Jesus wrote on the ground when he stooped down to write on the ground. Was it some Bible passage talking about 
forgiveness or or what did he write and then he used his words to defend this woman he forced the people to look at them that at themselves you know you who have no sin cast the first stone um and then he used his words to uplift uplift this woman but also not uh not condone her sin he told her i don't condemn you either go and leave your life of sin all right thank you guys so this has been our episode on the eighth commandment and audience as we close i have a mission for you after listening to this podcast i want you to go out and do a reverse gossip so what i want you to do is i want you to go out and speak well of somebody behind their back compliment somebody to somebody else Uh, tell someone else about a quality of a person you admire whatever it is speak well about somebody behind their back and you might be amazed to see how that compliment gets to that person and can build them up even more than if you said it to their face so go ahead and give it a try until next time god be with you